0: Everybody, welcome to another episode of MTG Rants. I'm standing Grace, as always, and joined by Ross. Ross, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Finished up the softball season finally last night. It we went
1: like four months because mm-hmm. we, we used to do two games a week, Tuesday and Thursday, but they elongated the schedule this season and had us basically only playing one game a week. Um, and then they cut out like the late. They used to have a nine fifteen game, and they they cut that out because so people didn't you know were complained about playing too late okay. And when it started early in the season I, everyone on the team was super excited about it they're like oh we don't have to play like twice a week we don't have to play late games this is great and I just was immediately thinking in my head like they're going to hate this because the season is just going to go into July and it's going to be miserable and so of course it went into July and everyone when it starts happening everyone's just like why isn't the season over yet it's been yeah. so long I was like they didn't cut down the number of games you played they just stretched the season out yeah Exactly. Uh, but, uh no. But uh, you know, mercifully our, our season came to an end in a Damn. uh fifteen to five loss. We were actually up five to three after two innings. I started getting a little excited, and then the the errors started piling up and the
0: crashing back down to normalcy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, basically, yeah. The other team started hitting balls, we stopped hitting balls. Um, it was uh it was
0: an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of adventures, I think today's episode is going to be an adventure. We're going to be uh, covering a little bit of uh, the event that went on this weekend. There was an SCG uh, con. Uh, was what, I was I going to say SCG open. There was an SCG con that went on this weekend with a ton of results because it was a team event, so you, you we have three four ones on the deck list here, plus there were some, uh, some what are they, like 5Ks on the sides? Side I it was a 5Ks, right? Not 10? Yeah. there's Yeah, there's some 5Ks, and... We're going to talk about a lot of the decks that were getting played in that. Maybe a tiny bit of legacy, a decent bit of modern here, because you know we've got the modern Pro Tour coming up here in Barcelona in just a few weeks, right? The Barcelona, yes, I know it's in Spain. Okay, because uh, the, there's also uh, a flesh and blood thing in Barcelona too, so I was making sure I wasn't getting the uh, cities crossed over. And we'll talk a lot about the Pro Tour, the prep for it, and one of the biggest things that you started to notice and I started to notice is uh, the diverge for what seems to be some of the decks that people are picking. in in modern in paper versus what they're playing in uh the online like the challenges because like well i'm looking at the challenge results versus like you know the top teams at the uh i keep wanting to call it open at the sag con i'm i'm not seeing the same uh results here or there's there's some decks that are coming up you know there's definitely some big winners and and some stuff that's gone down a little bit but i'm seeing a little bit difference well we'll go over that quite a bit today um a little bit of uh, a little bit of legacy as well. Uh, it was really cool to see like that stuff going on this weekend. There was some decent le- legacy coverage, and everybody was talking about this on Twitter. There was a giant bit of nostalgia that was going on at this Ross this weekend. Like you know, I was doing some coverage as well. There was a match where Jerry Thompson played Noah Walker in Legacy, like on camera. Yeah, and, and that was I the was semifinals. Just, yeah, I was immediately transported back to 2015 or 2013, you know, or whatever. Like you know, Noah would be an actual child. You know, Jerry's at like the height of his power of like. Dominating the the format and making new decks and you know changing things up. Not saying the, not saying the game is either you know passing these guys by, but you get what I'm saying. Like it's like they're playing and traveling every week. Noah was making a name for himself, and if you knew, you knew. Like you know, if you, if you followed Legacy back then, you knew Noah was just an absolute murderer. You know back then and stuff. So that was really cool to watch this weekend. But uh, did you get to cu- uh, did you get to catch up on any of the coverage? I I tried to watch some of it. It seemed like every time I tried to turn in
1: some monstrous technical difficulty oh you know oh really threw yeah. everything out of whack so yeah uh, apparently they were getting their internet throttled oh, for a lot yeah. of the weekend
0: you were trying to watch Corey's stream weren't you uh
1: a little bit i i got yeah, i, I got some do, but yeah, yeah i was i was trying to watch some some breach tannin
0: yeah of course you're trying to watch yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a little bit going on uh really funny uh so cory played with uh his brother brad nelson he played with um Who was I just talking about? I literally just blanked on their name again. Noah Walker. No, sorry. I just got back from the gym. I'm like, my head is just crazy right now. So, and Noah Walker, and I I was actually supposed to be the third person on that team. I was going to play the Legacy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. i like, I'll I'll play or whatever. And then immediately backtracked. I was like, hey, I might be busy that weekend. I got a lot of stuff going on. And then when I was looking at the results at the time, this is like, you know, a month or two ago, I was looking at the results that were going on Legacy. And it was just like, I do not want to be playing at this format. (laughs) <laughs> like delver was like unplayable every deck had ancient tomb it was just you know everybody going nuts trying to do these things had i known that this Demir death shadow deck was going to be absurdly good and someone's going to figure this out i would have snapped it off and played this deck you know the deck that noah ended up playing the deck that jerry ended up playing i, I actually love this deck it's really yeah, cool looks like there but, were four copies of it in the top six which is yeah, where I cut it's is made it's extremely good yeah and it's really funny to me that I'll, you know, I gave Corey a lot of shit about this over the weekend. It's so like I might not have been there in person, but apparently I was there in spirit because they ended up getting second place, losing the finals. So, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, and in, indeed, uh, came up a little short in a very strange game three. I actually did watch this one. Um, <laughs> it was it came down to Legacy Game Three. Noah is playing against Marshall Arthur's uh, on the Jeskai Control deck, and <laughs> Noah's hand was pretty good. He opens with a Thoughtseize takes the ponder because Marshall's hand was two white removal spells that aren't sorts to plowshares. It was like a prismatic mm-hmm. ending in March. And Noah's plan was to turn to a murktide regent. And so he plays like a 4-4 murktide on turn two mm-hmm. and has force of negation in hand for anything Marshall might have drawn. And Marshall's two draw steps that Noah didn't get to see were blood moon for turn three and a blue card to pitch to his force of will. Mm-hmm. So then Marshall resolves a blood moon on turn three no one can no longer cast spells that aren't pitch counters, and uh, is just hoping to ride force negation plus you know this Murktide to the, to victory. And instead of finding like a pyroblast or a swords to plowshares, because Marshall had basic planes in play to just deal with the Murktide region, he instead just draws up two more white cards, pitches three of them to the March, and exiles yep. the Murktide region with that. on for of course. Me. So the force of negation wasn't live and that's how the game ended. So Yeah. Uh a a little unfortunate I would say for, you know, Corey's team for those two draws to be off the top, like the the best yeah. possible threat and the blue card
0: to protect it. Uh yeah, I'm make- actually friends with Marshall Arthur's and him and Ben Weinberg who were on the team together. They actually both separately messaged me about it because they were like, Did you cover it every match? I was like, Yeah, I had to read uh give me two seconds on the name of this card uh they Is have this a card. The, the weird artifact that drew cards no, 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 no they have Comet, Cellar Pup in their deck. Marshall Walters with the winning deck and he's playing Jeskai and likes, he has two Comets in his deck. It's a Planeswalker. It's like the space dog. And I had to go read it because I was like, I have (laughs) no idea what this card does or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, I had to refresh myself what Staff of the Storyteller does. Like I knew, but like I had to make sure this stuff. And yeah, like, they were about to tell me. They're like, "Yeah, we you see how we won. We won like the craziest game ever." And like, they literally just sent me this wall of text exactly what you just said. And I was like, "Okay, that's actually really cool." You yeah. pitch two cards to March, and it, it was know.
1: cool. Like, it was actually pitching three total. He drew two yeah, extra right cards and pitched oh. the prismatic ending.
0: Sure. So it was a one of the
1: white plus three pitched cards, uh, and that you know that that's that's seven. So hey, it was a you do what you got to do. Yeah, it was a cool interaction on that last play. Uh, you know, Blood Moon games are never super entertaining, and of yeah. course, I, I had rooting interests on the other side
0: of the table. Sure, of course. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about the legacy just for a second, because like, there's some people in here that like and listen to the show, and uh, let's talk a little tiny bit about this Demir Death Shadow deck. Uh, what it's mostly doing is it's playing Death Shadow. Obviously, it's playing Merktide Regent. Uh, there was a here's where the list starts to in Orkish bowmasters. Here's where the list starts to deviate. It was all the play a Brazen bar, but it's if they play Street Wraith or not. How many of them? And then, uh, if they don't play Street Grave, like if you look at the version that Jerry Thompson played, you know he's playing Troll of Kazadu. if they play Troll of Kazadou and they play more copies of Reanimate, because then it also makes Troll and Grief better because they all play some form of Grief as well, or I think almost all of them. Actually, yeah, looks well, like the Jer- the Jerry finals. might be the only one. Yeah, the two that made the finals work playing Grief. I I like Jerry's build, but I haven't physically played with it as much. The, the, the big problem with Jerry's build. Or the, not the big problem. The difference is he doesn't have as many Merc Tides. He has Troll. And he has uh, Grief main. But then it makes him play four Reanimate. Which I like. Because not only is it more black cards in your deck to pitch to Grief. Which is great, obviously. But now it kind of makes you into... You have the scam draws, right? Like you can Grief on one. If you see you take something else immediately. You can reanimate your Grief on one. Put it into play. Uh, you know, we see people do this with with Street Wraith as well. Like play Street Wraith. Reanimate Street Wraith. And like that's great. It also helps get your life total low for for death shadow, but having four of this card is really sweet in this format because if your mm-hmm. opponent has something yeah. like Troll of Kazadun uh, or Street yeah. Wraith, or you thought sees them and take one of their things or you grief one of their things, or whatever, you can reanimate their stuff, which is yeah. really really cool. You know, we see stuff like this happen all the time in the deck. Um, also, I, I just want to talk for a second. The one colorless mana land cyclers, you know, Troll of Cazadun and the blue one, Warrior of Reveal or whatever, I think we're going to see those popping up in modern legacy is up for a while now. We're starting to see them actually make its way to tons and tons and tons of modern decks because it gets a land card. You can get a dual land with it, you can get a Triumph with it, anything that has that land type. But then, like, you kind of accidentally just backdoor it. Like, this deck, it's almost impossible for it to cast Troll of Cazadun, right, the legacy deck, but reanimating it is actually pretty good because no one can block this thing. It has to be blocked yeah. by at least three cards. So it's a six-man... It's like six-a-power thing. So you get to attack three times in their back. Right? Just, everyone takes one or two damage over the span of the game. And then the other ones, like, especially in Modern, if you're playing it in, in your deck and it's like, oh, I can land cycle early. I get to play less lands in my deck. And then when I hit five mana, if I got nothing else to do, I can just draw three cards. And a lot of the matchups, it's great. Also, it's really cool because it fits in under some of the um, restrictions... In the format, right? Like, I really like it, like Rhinos and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we started or... to
1: see it in Rhinos. Yeah. they give them like... a little extra card advantage and all these, like, you know, ring matchups and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, So they right? can play into the long game.
0: You know, you're good when these... playing longer games, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, they give you extra cards of a certain color if you need more for your Force Negation count or your, you know, your Grief count in the case of, of Troll and in, in Jerry's <laughs> List. So, you know, they can help you get Delirium more mm-hmm. easily. So, there's a, a lot of little things thing. that these cards that all these cards do, and so once you get all of those little things at of cheap rate at one mana, then it becomes worthwhile. So there's a really you know, it's one of those cards that has a really big difference between costing two mana and one mana, yep. Um, because you know you're you're not getting something that is you know an overly powerful effect. You're getting this amalgamation of small advantages and small synergies. And so you need to get those things on the cheap.
0: And because it fits in these decks so well that I was talking about, it kind of reminds me, it's like it's like the blue Bone Crusher Giant. You know, Bone Crusher Giant is a card that's very good because of the, like you said, the amalgamation of all of what it is, while also not having a problem with uh the cascade effect, right? And the fact that, yeah, you get this two mana card to like shock something, maybe kill something, or you know, you get to do something, you know, has whatever, but it it stays underneath. Uh it doesn't, it doesn't actually you know, get cast off of the cascade so it doesn't mess with your deck. And that's another thing in this stack, is right, right? Any of the decks like that, like, where you have to play some kind of restriction on your cards. This one can kind of, quote-unquote, get around it, like those cards do, and it just gives you more early stuff to do with all of your mana as well. Plus, let's not forget, it allows you to cut cut lands out of your deck. Like, I don't know how much Lord of the Rings Limited you've played. I've been playing a ton. Uh, Lori Revealed is probably the card that I first picked the most in the form, period. I take it over so much, because... Um, a lot of people think black is the best color in the set and it might be blue is my favorite color it's the color I win with the most in the set it's the color I'm the most comfortable drafting. I take a card over practically everything. I usually have three or four copies of them in my deco on the times and I'm often playing 15 lands 14 lands in my decks and I still get flooded you know I still have problems with it and I'm still having a pretty good win percentage and we'll, we'll talk some more about limited with our operator uh, later but I love that the innocuous cards are having big effects. On the four base, because, look, Bowmasters is everywhere, it, right? It's actually becoming more ubiquitous in the ring. We'll get into more of that in a second here in Modern as well. Um, but Bowmasters is starting to have a huge effect everywhere. And you can see it in the builds of these decks. The Shadow in the past always had Delver of Secrets there, right? Like, you kind of combine the decks. It's Delver, Shadow, Shriek Wraith, you know, for Reanimates, and then the Delver package, right? Now you're seeing, you know, some of these might have, like, uh, like one or two lists have, like, one or two... Uh, Delver of Secures in it, but most of them had zero. And when I talk about this, I like to talk about this as, like, this is the Orkish Bowmaster effect. It's kind of like when Ren and Six first came up into Legacy, and in Modern, it was so popular. Like, do you remember when we played in the first Open, where Ren and Six was legal in Legacy, I played it in my Delver deck? And it wasn't even, at the time, people weren't like, yes, you play a ton of these yet. Like, they hadn't 100% figured it out. It shouldn't play in four. But we knew it was good, right? Like, it was a good card, yeah. you expect Wasteland do you, i don't know if you remember this in like round one or two i played against death and taxes and on one i like played a delver or a ponder or something right my opponent goes like planes mom you know mother of runs go and i just like played renin six and like killed their thing they immediately look at their hand look at their board look at that thing and go how is my deck playable like they literally <laughs> said that out loud and i started laughing i was like bro i don't know because, like, I could just tell, I was like, it, you probably had, like, a Flicker Whisper or something. You definitely had, like, multiple creatures yeah, you did that it, just die to this riddance. It is not. Yeah, yeah. It, it is it, like, not playable. And you know that, like, you know you could, like, really get read off someone? I could tell they wanted to concede the match in the moment. Like, in the moment, they were like, <laughs> oh, my God, I don't want to play anymore.
1: And, like, I want to drop from the tournament. I just yeah, want to go home. Teach
0: my, teach my deck. And, like, I want my I, mom. I felt, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Because I just killed the other one. Because I just ran and six your mom. Ah, got him. But, uh. And like, yeah, like I felt for the I felt for the guy, right? Because like he had a really good sense of humor about it, right? You know, he wasn't just like mad, he was just like, fuck, you know, like that kind of kind of move. And I feel like Ulkrus Bowmasters is having that effect on the in the thing, because like if you look at legacy, we're seeing less Delver Secrets, we're seeing less DRC. ever, and you know, it's moving people away from those colors anyway, right? And you're moving more towards black. And if black cards are getting really good, like I'm kind of into Playing reanimates, playing more greets and something like that like your blue count's still gonna be higher. Right? You still got brave from days, force of will, hunger, right? You still got these things, I and mean, looked dead Region still works really well with all this stuff. But looking at the rest of this deck, this is everything I want to be doing at Legacy, right? Because like you've got you've got all the free shit too. you got Force of Wills and Snup Outs, right? So like you have free counter spells, free removal spells, you have the most efficient card advantage stuff in the format, and you've got some of the most powerful one mana cards in the format too. And you're backing up your Dazes and your force of wills with absurdly fast clocks, right? Because here's the thing, if turn one or turn two, you just, like, put a Troll of Kazudun in play or a Street Break in play, you're already at, like, ten, Right? So if you to play <laughs> a Death Shadow, and then have any Daze or Force of Will backup, and then any other way to do damage to yourself, they're dead. Like, they're actually dead. They're not coming back. And then yeah. you have Thoughtseize and Grief in here as well. So, like, this deck... Oh, man, this deck makes me feel things for us. I, I agree. that This, to me, is you know, this is the new
1: Delver deck. Yes, you know it, we finally got. We, we had actually gotten to the point where Delver was outdated a couple years ago when hey, everybody cut it from their decks because Roggin was
0: legal. Careful, careful. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll concede the point, but careful. Yeah, it was all Roggins and Murktides, you still, and you still, and still you still show respect when I'm around you. Okay, when I'm around you, <laughs> you still you still show respect that card.
1: And uh, you know they banned Roggins, so Delver got to come back, yeah. and now you know the printing of Orcish Bowmaster, like you said, is pushing it out, and. I think this is it. Really illustrates a very critical aspect of card evaluation that I think a lot of players miss because they like to evaluate sort of cards in a vacuum. And yeah. Delver has been so ubiquitous for so long, especially in Legacy, that it just gets grandfathered in in their head as this card that is just awesome—the sa-
0: sacred cow. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's, it becomes the sacred cow, and they can't get rid of it, but. You know, when cards that line up incredibly well against it, like Orcish Bowmaster, has become ubiquitous, suddenly you've got to look elsewhere. And, you know, the fact that this Shadow deck is playing, you know, all cards that match up very well against those kinds of removal spells. There's also a lot of threats that match up pretty well against things like Prismatic Ending. You know, only Shadow is really answered by that one. Um, Cards that match up well against March of Otherworldly Light. Um, you know, yeah, and some that's, of the other—that's a really good point. Versatile removal spells that people are playing.
0: Yeah, the the threats. I talked about this a little bit. about coverage. The threats in the Demure deck, like it's it's what we talk about um, in Pioneer a lot, right? Like you want your your removal to match up well against what's being presented, and. This stack does a very good job of presenting you with a bunch of different threats that are hard to remove. Yeah, swords, plowshares, whatever. Yeah, it's always going to get out. Swords right? is swords is the yeah. really
1: good one. So yeah. I, I suspect we will see more swords take- Shares moving forward. Yes.
0: Yeah. And um, speaking of sword stacks, I take a, a second here to talk about. Uh, actually, you know, let me back up for like two seconds because uh, I love the point you made about how bowmasters is just warping this format, and we'll talk about how it's warping modern in a second. Even like probably more so than the ring, honestly, which is a weird thing to say. With this card being legal in the way the format is right now, do you think that we could unban Ragaban? I I kind of do. Um, Not saying it's going to happen, but you probably could. There's a there's a few cards in the ban list in in Legacy. Look, there's no reason to really revisit it because like when are we? When does it actually matter? Like Legacy is getting pushed back even more next year. I don't know if you saw the new uh, you can't RC with Legacy anymore. You can't RCG yeah. with Legacy anymore. So there's even less reasons to play Legacy now, besides it gets randomly, like, energy, yeah. and SCG is, like, the last bastion of hope in America, pretty much. Besides the even smaller things, like, there's some, you know, like, I'm thinking of those, like, Buffalo Chicken Legacy Dip, or whatever it's called, and then, like, there's the Legacy Pit, you know, there's a couple of, uh, you know, stalwarts in the community. I'm yeah. not trying we, to... We've just reached you know, the point where Legacy is the new vintage, and Modern is the new yes, Legacy, Everything's Pioneer is the new Modern. Yeah. 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 Everything's gone a lot, and then Standard is off by itself, and then we're like, hey, guys! We're, we're just waiting to be relevant! You know, uh, oh, I actually well, was a guest on uh, the Brainstorm Brewery, I think, last week or two weeks ago, and they asked, like, what's a card you think is going to go up in price or whatever? I was just like, honestly, I would I would try to pick up some of the the good mythics in standard right now that are like five or six bucks, like uh, Chandra, the new Chandra, Hope Speakin, or whatever, is only like five or six bucks. So I'm like, when standard becomes relevant again, if that card is just in a good playable deck as a two or three of, it's a $20 card. Like so I actually think that like, if you're into that kind of stuff, you're into stonks and stuff like... Standard's going to come back in a big way in the next year. I really, really I'm, believe that.
1: I'm more into the Andrea Mangucci theory of finance. Sure, the buy high never sells.
0: Buy high. Oh, I'm I'm bad about. I, I get <laughs> like I've gone through my collection before, and just like I'll find like you know ten or fifteen of a card. And I'm like, man, I remember like getting these and be like, I'm gonna flip these and just never doing the actual work. Like you don't want to have any copies of a uh, concealed courier on my own, by the way. I stuck <laughs> on that card really hard once. But um, getting back to the legacy thing, the, the Jessica deck that won. I don't know if this is going to be, like, the deck people play, but, you know, it's gonna have eyes on it, right? It just won a big event over some huge names and then, like, a televised event. This was Marshall Arthur's that one as well, an uh, actual friend of mine. And I got to do a coverage of one of his events. Always really fun to cover Marshall. Have you ever seen his decks? They're always very shiny. He he generally, he will almost always have the most expensive deck in the room, or one of the most. He had, he had foil Japanese force Wills but, like, original art. Like, they have been altered to Japanese in foil. Like, there's a way to do it. They're extremely expensive. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he has, like, beta duels and shit. You know, he was like, black... And they're, like, great... Like, if you follow them on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about. He always, like, posts his mail days. And, like, this guy has one of the coolest and best collections I've ever seen. His decks are always awesome. But he played what I think would you would call miracles now and day even though it has, like, none of the Miracles cards, but when I say that to anyone what has been around Legacy, like you get what I'm saying. You know, it's Swords, Force, Supreme Bird, brainstorm, ponder Prismatic getting Force of Negation, but, like, the new stuff is he's winning with, like, Staff of the Storyteller four Shark Typhoons, right? He's got all this stuff. But then he's got, like, a little bit of a Planeswalker uh, suite, too, where he's got three Narset, two Teferi, and two Comet Stellar Pup. You know, a card that I had to read, but it's kind of, like, the non-green version of, what was it, Minskin Boo? You know, it just, like, make some threats to help out. It can it can kill some stuff. It can make some uh, make some I'm threats, reading it works it right really now, well Tannins, Staff of the Storyteller. And it's the most nonsense card I've ever seen. Yeah. It works well with Staff of the Storyteller along with Shark type That's yeah. pretty much what it is. It's just another way for them to win. Also, it's, like, it, it pitches to, what do you call it? Um, the card we were just talking about. March of the Old Worldly Light. By the way, does he, does he really only play one copy of Marshall R- or the world? Like, oh yeah, that's fucking well, one on the sideboard. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. like so, the last way you would have guessed that they yeah. answered a Murktide region. Yeah. Also, the deck has four Prismatic Vista in it. You know, a card that we haven't seen a ton of uh, lately, but it's really cool because he does have Blood moves on the sideboard, like you're talking about. Does play against well against uh, Wasteland and stuff because Wasteland's was started to make a pretty big comeback in Legacy. That's a weird thing to say, but everyone yeah, all, was playing All ancient tomb decks have brought back Wasteland playing for sure. An Dude. Yeah. So, making this stuff back, but four source of apostles for prismatic ending. You can see why he did pretty well in this top six because we talked about how many del, uh, how many the I say delver decks, I mean the death shadow decks are wearing. Look, he sent me a message real quick. Um, let me let me look this up because he had, he sent me his record on the weekend because he did really really well. In fact, I think it was the I think it was actually Ben that sent this to me when I was like, But if I remember right, I think he said he played against shadow like seven or eight times and he never lost. He's like he didn't finish every one of his matches or whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah, he just apparently just crushed all of it. It, it does different. seem
1: like a deck that is tailor made to beat these Death Shadow decks. A little heavy Me. on removal for the like Ancient Tomb decks, but Prismatic but Ending answers a lot of the cards out of those decks. So yeah. you're not even you know that worried. Yeah, you just have the plows and Supreme Verdicts that aren't that good. Yeah, uh, so you, and you're yeah, so playing so it's, a, it's a ton of counter spells. You know, Narset is obviously excellent against the One Ring. Uh, so no surprise to see that card coming back. Um, and, and you, you know, the meltdowns on the sideboard and Blood Moons to target those decks yeah. as well. So, yeah, I, th- this to me feels like a very targeted deck for
0: the current Legacy yes. metagame and, and you know, paid off handsomely. Yeah, it's really nice when you see something like this, right? Like you see someone who took a deck and yeah, maybe there's been some some finishes with this deck somewhere, but I haven't seen it too much. And this is like one of those decks where it's like, yeah, it's just like a stockish list you know because remember like legacy for a few years you could just be like go to the last event, go find where noah walker finished right or one of the delver players just copy their list and like if you won the event with that list it wouldn't be surprising right you didn't have to break them all but this is one of those decks where you're like this person obviously put in a ton of time thought about their matchups thought about what they wanted to do to beat them got those matchups performed and was rewarded for it maximally and i absolutely love seeing that like i love when it like the person puts in the hard work because Marshall's a very good match player too. He's—I yeah. joked about this when he was playing. I think he was playing against Jerry. He, I was he's, like, "He's won
1: it open before."
0: Yeah, a, is that is that a dig at me, or uh, just is that a dig at me, or <laughs> it, it wasn't meant to be? But you <laughs> but know, it, sometimes it, it comes along for free. I'm just out I'm <laughs> here catching strays, man. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting ricocheted on, but yeah, but yeah like sometimes, sometimes you s- stumble into a two for one. Yeah, I know, right? Sometimes you're like, oh. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think it's great. Now, let's go ahead and move on to the modern cards. I know you were really excited talking about this. And let's talk a little bit about what happened in this event. And yeah, Jessica Breach did well. Is it Marti pretty did pretty well. But the deck that I kept seeing doing well on paper and a lot of people were talking about was Rakdos Scam and seemed yeah. to be like a big mover and kind of a, 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 you know, the big winner, using quotes here for this weekend.
1: Yeah, we spent the you know the last couple of weeks uh, the the big deck you know to me has been the four color with the ring because Omnath and the One Ring seemingly go so well together. Uh, mm-hmm. That deck also has a ton of you know pitch elementals that it can utilize, uh, but that deck has sort of fallen off in recent weeks. Turns out it's just kind of mediocre, um, yeah. and you know people have adapted to the One Ring. So you know it was a mediocre deck that was taking advantage of a metagame that hadn't yet adapted to a powerful new card, powerful mm-hmm. new threat. Um, and, you know, while the One Ring is incredibly powerful and still quite prevalent in the metagame, it is Orcish Bowmasters that has been coming along more frequently and more recently, and that's where Rakdos Scam comes in, uh, you know, a deck that utilizes Bowmasters very well, because Scam is a deck that like likes to strip its opponent of resources really quickly, you know, when you scam with the early grief, taking, you know, uh, multiple cards out of their hand, you're playing this gimped game and you know, trying to run away with the tempo from that early, you know, uh, evoked creature that you scammed in. And a lot of the times, you know, once your opponent finds the resources to answer your early threat, maybe a follow-up threat as well, they, you know, both of you are sort of on empty. And having cards that draw a bunch of extra cards ends up being, you know, quite relevant in that matchup to pull ahead. So Bowmaster being able to punish that Uh, you know, makes it a very good card in the deck because it's just an efficient card anyway. Obviously, answering Raghavan is such a uh, prevalent threat, you know, good against a lot of the other, you know, uh, small creatures played in various decks around the format. So it ends up being, you know, another really powerful card that took a little bit longer for people to figure out, um, but it slots so nicely into an already very powerful deck. And to me, Rakdos Scam has been an underrated deck in modern for a long time. Uh, Yeah. It's a deck that I was always afraid of playing just guy breach. I do think the matchup has gotten significantly better now that breach has incorporated the one ring. Uh, You know, Corey did very well actually won his match in the finals. It was his two teammates that, that lost and why they ended up taking second Uh, played some very good games against. I think Ben Weinberg was in the modern sea um, in that matchup, but yes, you know, Uh, just to briefly, like that matchup, it, you have to be more of a control deck as the Breach player because they're going uh-huh. to disrupt you early. They're going to be applying pressure. But if you can get to turns like 5, 6, or 7, the Breach deck has a ton of card advantage. It already had things like Emery, you know, Raghavan taking cards from the top of their deck, Expressive Iteration, and now you add the One Ring on top of it. So you're going to win the long game against them. You just have way more card advantage. You have good answers to their threats if you can find them. Uh, and of course, yeah. they have to be wary of the combo as well. Uh, and bring in like graveyard hate cards, you know, to stop that. So they're stretched pretty th- thin because of how versatile your deck is. Also, Urza Saga is amazing against them. Unfortunately, they all have Blood Moons. So that's a, a weird dynamic in the matchup. But the One Ring does help a lot. It helps you play through Blood Moon by just like drawing into your basics or drawing into cards that you can actually play. Um, so um, I do think the matchup has gotten better. But Rakdos Scam is just a really, really powerful deck. You know, we're starting to see people do things like that in Legacy and it be relevant. You know, doing it with Reanimate is a little bit better than doing it with Malachir Rebirth and you know whatever other weird card. Like uh, I can't remember, I can never remember the names of the Fain Death, Undying Malice. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. You know, those cards. Uh, but still, very, very powerful synergy to be building around. So, to me, that this is just you know giving Rakdos Scam its deserved time in the sun, and it was incredibly popular over the weekend. Uh, yeah. There were twenty teams that made the second day of the tournament, and nine of them had Rakdos Scam in their modern seat. Uh, a forty-five uh, percent
0: of the day two modern metagame. Can I take a uh, one step back here and say uh, a cool story about the team that won here? Since we've been talking about them, they played these decks, and then we can kind of finish off on Ractusium sure. because Ben Weinberg played Ractusium. You know, to the to the winning list. He talked to me about this weekend. So him and Marshall wanted to play in the event. They knew they wanted to play together, and they couldn't find a third. And he said that uh, two people told them that they were like, hey, we're busy. We might not be able to work, you know, get off work for that week or whatever. They showed up and played with, like, other teams and stuff. You know, like, blah, blah, blah. blah. So they picked up a 17-year-old who, like, they found from Twitter or Reddit or something. I I don't remember the exact story. And the kid's name is Ryan. I don't remember his last name. I apologize, Ryan, if you're listening to this. But here's, like, some really cool stories about So, apparently, his dad used to play, and his mom loved Cincinnati. So they were like, yeah, cool. Like, we'll go. You can play with this team. And, like, Ryan wanted his dad to play in like one of the side events it. like the 5k or whatever on Sunday but his dad was having like way more fun watching his kid just destroy this tournament destroy the pros <laughs> and stuff so he said that the mom and the dad got like you know they went and did like since Cincinnati stuff Saturday but Sunday they came and watched the tournament and got to watch him win he said that like they were crying and like so happy for their kid and stuff I that. and that's just so so awesome right yeah. and he said that like uh, there, he said that like you know at least two to three games of the tournament you, you could probably uh Identify with us really. He said two or three games of tournament, he was like, look over, it would look really bad. he would be like, oh man, Ryan's dead. Like, there's no way he's out of this. And then you know they like finish their game and they'd look over, and I'm like, hey man, like I got one. Or he'd like maneuver because he was playing Raptor Sacrifice, right? A deck that like you need to maneuver perfectly, and you're going to be winning by like the skin of your teeth a lot of times, right? It's going to be like super super close yeah. So like that. And um, yeah, it was just super awesome that they won this tournament. I think it's really cool when you when you have that kind of story. Like they couldn't find the third player, they get the third player. The guy carries really, really hard, does really well the whole weekend, plays awesome. There's good vibes on the team. The guy's parents are there cheering him on because he's not even an adult yet. And he just wins the entire tournament. I think that's so... Cool. Yeah. Beat Brad in
1: the in the finals. Brad was on Mono Green Devotion. And that's a tough matchup for Rack of yeah. so, so you know. apparently
0: he was 3 0 going I mean sorry, 0 3 going to the finals versus Mono Green. But Ben said, I literally saw the three the three matches that he lost and he said in every one of them he got thoughts he's bugged. For everybody at home that doesn't know what that means, it's like this kid with like Thoughtsies as monogrey opponent take the card that matters, you know, like take the troll or like the three drop out of their hand that matters or the Keyora, right? And then his opponent would untap and play that card.
1: Yeah, the story. Like they would just
0: deal. top that you kill know, top because like it's a joke that on Magical Online there's a there's a bug with Thoughtsies. if you take a card out of their player's hand it just puts the card on top of their deck, like it's an actual joke because it happens so often, etc. So yeah, really, really awesome to say that. But yeah, you know what? Also, if I had to play modern like right now i'd probably play something like Rakdos. game this, this deck looks great when you look at all the lists i do like that they're way more low to the ground now right when you look at everything like almost everything is getting played on turn one or turn two right everything goes like one or two yeah pretty much besides like yeah. Blood one and you have like fables and sideboard and it's oh, also a
1: little more threat dense i think that's yes. important like this is a deck 23 that needs creatures, to get the yeah. game
0: over with yeah yeah 23 creatures are gonna try to get you as quickly as possible right and then like it come at you multiple angles too you know it's got like the ragged man or Chris bowmaster Dothy voidwalker like seasoned pyramancer angle but then like there's the games where it gets the same scam right like it puts a grief or fury into play well the grief is the real one it mean, goes grief yeah undying evil grief like you're in a lot of trouble when that happens because you're probably taking like nine at least forever from the grief so it's going to be a big problem uh i think this deck's great i like it a lot I want to see how it's going to hold up At the Pro Tour, because I think this deck's going to be very popular at the Pro Tour. We'll see what the pros figure
1: out. It is. I think it is definitely, you know, public enemy number one for the Pro Tour players, and that's usually not a good place to be. But with a deck that is powerful, proactive, and has a heavy amount of disruption, there's really only so much you can do to combat it. So I I don't expect it to, you know, have a a terrible result at the Pro Tour, but probably just, you know, a pretty middling one. Just because it's yeah. going to shape the meta game around it. Now, as far as terrible decks go, I did want to give everyone a PSA because I mm-hmm. noticed I was checking out the meta game for the Sunday five k because there were two scam decks in the top eight of that event as well. Um, it was, scam was tied for the most popular deck in that tournament with twelve copies out of one hundred thirty nine. Sure. So, um, but it was tied with Mono Green Tron. Now, this was sort of like everyone's first. Oh, the One Ring is really good. It's an you know four band artifact. Let's put it in our Tron deck. And the one ring was really good. So people started maybe winning a little bit with Tron. Like, maybe Tron's back. No, it's not. Just Tron no. sucks. It has sucked for many, many, many years, like five years at this point. It is very bad. It's really, really bad. It's not even what you want to be doing with the one ring. As we've seen people figure, like, play more with the card and, and learn about it, you want to be pairing the one ring with cheap cards and have the one ring be your, your top end. Whereas in Tron, like, you're drawing a bunch of 10 drops. Like, Tron, you want, you know, it's nice to have, like, you know, a little bit of card advantage in that deck. I agree it's a fine card in the deck. You know, the One Ring is good in Tron, but Tron is not the best One Ring deck, and not by a long shot. And it's just a bad deck in general. So, please just
0: stop trying to make Tron happen. It's not going to happen. Sure. Speaking of good One Ring decks, the winner of that event was Ivan Espinoza playing the four color deck that he's pretty famous for playing if you you know who he is what won the energy invitation with it a couple years ago grinder from uh i think he's from california he's west coast i'm pretty sure it's california and he was so dedicated to just trying to compete at the time with energy was on the only series still going on there's a flying out there from california just crushing it right he ended up winning the event uh this weekend with four color with the ring in it and just absolutely doing some crushing stuff and like not surprising if, if this deck's good Ivan is gonna be good it's like the joke we make about like when certain decks are good these players are great Like yeah. when, when um like when Elvis Mystic is really good Brian Kibler can have a good chance of playing well whenever like a red one drop is good Tom Ross will show up and dominate the format you know if if you could play this kind of deck Ivan Espinosa is gonna be good and his deck looks pretty kind of what we come used to right you know you've got the lighted halfling you've got the ring you know, you've got the Planeswalker, suite that you're normally seeing, the, the Bindings, the, but, you know, he's got two 5-mana Elisdorns in his deck as well, so when he gets that into play, that really goes absolutely nuts, but this is a pretty straightforward list all the way, just a full bunch of 4-ups, and it's try to really lean on the ring and the power of these, like, being able to do this stuff really early, right? Like, you can Solitude or Fury very, very early or quickly if it needs to, without the extra mana that it gets from Omnath, and then Let's talk about how good Delighted Halfling is. Holy well, crap. You know, like getting this stuff out so much earlier, like getting turned to uncounterable to fairies, it's like that is pretty insane. Uh, and also then, makes your rings uncounterable. Yeah, it makes your ring uncounterable. It makes your Omnath uncounterable. Like, Delighted Halfling was a huge upgrade yeah. for this deck. And,
1: and with the one ring, you're happy to have extra mana lying around because you're yep. going to draw a bunch of extra cards. You want to have the mana to deploy those cards quickly. So it, it, it fits yep. really well. This was sort of the. This deck fell off a little bit. It didn't do as well in the main event, but no surprise to see good players with the deck do well in that tournament. Espinosa winning. I see Derek Davis taking ninth. You know, another devotee of the four colored decks. He's usually on elementals builds. Uh, that's what he won the energy in uh, in Louisville last year with. Uh, but you know, now with the one ring, you don't really need things. Uh, you know, marginal card advantage like uh, Risen reef gives you, especially in an in an orkish bowmaster world. So, uh, no surprise to see him adapt. Uh, as well, there. Um, I think that deck is on the decline at this point. You know, it's um, and part of it is that the deck is a little bit higher curved. The fact that you have Omnath and the One Ring is a little awkward when everyone is trying to play counter spells now. You know that that's sort of the, the next step is force of negations and you know actual factual counter spell and you know just stopping all of these these powerful cards before they happen. Um, so that your opponent doesn't have a chance to generate immediate card advantage
0: and I'm glad you brought that up because that's going to bring us to the next deck I want to talk about Modern that I think you wanted to talk about quite a bit too and this is where that divide that I'm talking about has been kind of happening because we haven't seen this one do as well as paper as we're seeing it do on Magic Online this is the Demir deck that's been doing absurdly well on Magic Online in Modern lately it's just kind of good, it's just blue black good cards right? So I'm kind of I'm gonna read the list off everybody at home real quick because they might not be as uh, into it. Is some of us are seeing it as much lately? So it's got four rings, it's got two tides four subtlety. Because if you're not playing a pitch elemental right now, like what do you do all with your life? Like you need to be interacting yeah, as quickly as possible. Subtlety also very good against scam. Yes, uh, absurdly good. You can very much crush them. Uh, two Shieldred, four Gushbow Masters. Sometimes they have a dress down. I'm just looking at a, a list ring. Uh yeah. Four Fatal Push, this, uh, two Pelpieres. Is a second place list? list. This is, uh, I'm just looking at the random second place list. I, it's the okay. first one I saw. They're looking at like Fatal Push, Spell Pierce, Counterspell, Force Negation, She Holders Edict. Uh, here's the here's another big one that's getting added to the deck: uh, Sauron's Ransom. And for some of you at home, if you don't know what that is, it's one blue, black for an instant. It says, choose an opponent. They look at the top four cards of your library, separate them into a face down and face up pile. Put one pile in your hand, the other in your graveyard. The ring tempts you. Okay, just so you know, the ring tempts you can matter. <laughs> It does yep. matter. This is a what I like to call the most complicated divination of all time, but it is an instant. It's a blue and a black card, so you know you pitch it. To, you can pitch it to subtlety, which is nice. But it is card advantage, and your opponent generally isn't going to know what you're looking for, whether it's spells or weigh-ins. And just depending on how it goes, um, people might not split this correctly. I was a big fan of playing a card like Factor Fiction and uh, Gifts Ungiven way, way back in the day. I'm talking like early 2000s because I felt like it's a card that. It was hard for me to mess up with that card, but easy for my opponent to mess up with this card, right? And anything that gives my opponent more choices in a game leads them to have more chances to mess up. So, therefore, gives you a chance to have an advantage. Um, nothing super crazy in the lands. You know, it's got a Takanuma and Otawara, usually, you know, all the Storm Giants. Manamo has been showing up in some of these about untapping uh, legendary permanents because that's pretty damn good with the One Ring Ross. Yep. And some of this uh, other also, stuff. Also good with Emery. We've seen it show up in Breach. Sure, and then um, they're, they're usually playing a couple of Lauriac Reveal, right? Because they're only playing 20 lands in this deck, so this is extra copies of the uh, of the land, which, here's the thing, it goes and gets uh, Wiry Gray, which is nice, so it fixes your mana a lot in these spots. Plus, hey, if the game starts going long, you know, drawing three cards when your deck has Force of Indigation plus Subtlety in it, sign me Yeah, It's like, you saw this a lot in Legacy back in the day, and it's, it's still kind of happening in some of the spots where some of the black decks that had any of the pitch cards in them or have Force of One, they'll play a card like Him to Tura in this spot. And I've heard a lot of people say, yeah, the card's good at what it does, but it also gets you back to card parity very quickly because, like, you're getting a two for one after two for one in yourself, right? And this is a card that's along the Soren's Ransom does that in this deck. So this deck, you know, has, it has subtleties, right? It has uh, Force of negation so you can keep up, but then it has a whole bunch of good one for ones in Fatal Push, Spell Pierce, Counterspell. And stuff like that, and then it has robust ways to win the game, right? Like Murtagh Regent, She-Hulk, Druid, Okish Boardmasters, the One Ring, but then you can recoup all that stuff. Yeah, and then it's also got a great sideboard. So I like this deck a lot, honestly. This is more my style in modern, so maybe I'd play this, but I'd have to play against that Stam deck quite a bit. But I think this is a deck we're going to see show up for sure. Does the uh, does the list you're looking at have Commandeer on the sideboard? Uh, this one does not. That sounds like a Gabe Nassif card to me.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking at a Gabe Nassif list for four a prelim. Um, and has two copies of Commandeer, just the ultimate pitch spell. He uh, loves that card, by the way. He always tries to play that card. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems honestly quite good in this format. Have you ever com- like if you Commandeer your opponent's the One Ring? Oh, the, g- the boy. game is oh, over. Oh
0: boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like. That's the thing with comedy You're like, oh, this card's cool, and then someone tells you a situation that comes up, and you're like, oh, that's not okay. It's just not okay. <laughs>
1: they, it's just the game. The game is over. Okay. Just, just
0: yeah. scoop them up and go hey, to the next we, one. So. Can we also talk about, like, just the fact how much faster modern is now in and, and how because like mostly it's the pitch elementals, but cards like Force Negation as well, along with cards like the One Ring, which are these absurd ways to have a ton of card advantage happen very quickly because there's the thing it's going to recoup the cards you lost. Plus it's going to find you another copy of the one ring to get rid of. So you don't die to your own one. Yeah. But it, what happened was that the, we finally
1: had a modern have the disruption catch up to the robustness of the proactive elements of the format Yeah, and through various bannings and, you know, d- different printings over the years. You know, Fatal Push was really the first big one that helped contain, like, Infect and brought those fair Shadow decks to the format, and it's only gotten, you know, only moved further in that direction over the ensuing years. Uh, MH2 bringing in Prismatic Ending and Unholy Heat was a big deal, Um, and, you know, MH1 had Force of Negation, and then we have all these Pitch Elementals, so you're able to interact, you know, two, three, four times in the first two or three turns very consistently and you know make sure that you don't die early and we're starting you know and now we're starting to see people realize that we can pair those cards with robust sources of card advantage the one ring being the one that really you know pushed everything over the top and that's the direction that the metagame is moving in you know where where you want incredibly fast and cheap interaction because you know you're going to be able to refill your hand you know quickly almost refill it every single turn um and you know they're now this demure deck is the pinnacle of that. Adding things like yeah. Sauron's ransom and Lorien revealed. It's a you know notably this is a deck that is trying to play long games. Like you say, the the format is sped up in a sense, but it's the reactive elements that speed up, and that
0: actually slows down well, the games. When I say speed up, I don't necessarily mean like yeah. the time of game is short. I mean like things are more relevant on turn one and two than they've ever been in yeah. in the, the form, and
1: and your ability to interact with them. So there's the act. There's a lot of early action, you <laughs> know. That's what I mean, yeah, from both sides or, or so early interaction. And that creates games where, you, you know, you're low on resources very quickly. And, you know, cards like Grief and Subtlety and Force of Negation will do that uh, very often. And so you need to just be able to draw a counterspell zone. If you just play four copies of the One Ring, there's going to be plenty of games where you empty your hand quickly to interact. And then you don't have a, a the One Ring and you're just hoping for a four-outer off the top of your deck to get back into it. This deck playing the soron's Ransoms and the Lorien Revealeds you know, lets you start. You know, more lets you more reliably draw into that card advantage, and you know, because Lorien Revealed can just island cycle, it. it you know, it's, you avoid the sort of clunkiness that happens when you play twelve card draw spells in your deck. So the yeah, versatility of Lorien Revealed also really important. You know, this is a control deck that plays twenty one lands. Yeah, like, like Lorian Revealed, you're gonna Revealed, get into the mid game and just have like eight lands left in your deck after fetching yeah, so much and cycling like, Lorien Revealeds.
0: Lorien Revealed is a early land drop that pitches the subtlety like that sign me up like that's good enough yeah. you know that but randomly if you have not lead the gate you're going to draw three cards off of it for five mana and then you're still going to have more subtleties and force negations in your deck so you can still you know tap your five mana or tap five of your six mana and still follow it up with something like you know fatal push spell pierce one of these one drops or two drops that's super interactive so yeah huge huge fan that's yeah. going going in the deck. I, I suspect this Demir deck will, you know, gain hype,
1: you know, leading into the Pro Tour. It might even, you know, it might even surpass Rakdos Scam as the most played deck. I could certainly see that. It's if, the kind it's of deck a lot good, of players, yeah. especially Pro yeah. Tour players, will gravitate towards. Um, you know, but I don't think it is without its weaknesses. And for no, sure, the the deck I'm I actually look at that you know or decks that might be good. And this, you know, we've gotten to the point where people are playing a ton of card advantage and trying to play these long games with a bunch of disruption. How do you beat those decks? By igno- by ignoring them and going over the top of them? You know, you don't play the card advantage game. So decks like Burn could actually be, you know, surprisingly effective in this to kind the... of metagame.
0: Decks like, like the... in Beating, beating Demir in the finals. Uh, yeah. Like, because let's talk about something for a sec. Have you read Rully Vortex and all of the things that the card does? Because some people um, forget about the second paragraph on that card a lot. As a person who plays Breach, I do not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, So already at home, there, there's a line on Rolling Vortex that says, whenever a player casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast that spell, Rolling Vortex does 5 damage that player. When I'm looking at a lot of these lists, you know, you're know, you looking at Grief and Fury in some of these lists, or you're looking at Subtlety and Force of Negation in some of these other ones, You know, th- there's a lot of cards in this format that it, you, you take away the agency from your opponent, of being able to interact with you as much early in the game, and then not to mention that this just deals one to them every single turn, and then you can keep them from gaining life if they randomly have some way to do that. There's not a lot of that going on in uh Modern right now, but there there are some you know page things. But yeah, only Vortex might be at some of the best it's ever been right now in the format. Yeah, uh,
1: I I I agree with that, and we're starting to see Burn decks play in the main deck over Eidolon. I think it makes a lot of sense, but like that you know. Going into that area of the metagame is, I think, the step, you know, the next step. I think the the Demir deck represents the pinnacle of winning the card advantage fight. I don't yeah. think you're going to be able to find a deck that plays that game better than the Demir deck does. Um, now, it doesn't have the same proactive elements that Active Scam does, so I'm not saying it is, you know, strictly better in any sort of sense. But I think that is the, the pinnacle of those decks. I, I think it's significantly better than a deck like Four Color Omnath, for example. Um, you know, but you're going to have to play decks that are able to go over the top of what they're doing. And I think you have to do it with decks that go wide. You know, bird is a deck that kind of goes wide. Like you can counter one or two of their spells, but there's not one single spell that is really important as opposed to a deck like Yawgmoth. You know, when you're playing counter spell and force Negation and subtlety and reasonable removal, I don't think it's that difficult to keep a Yawgmoth off the table. Um, and so, you know, decks like that don't make as much sense to me. Decks like the cascade decks don't make as much sense to me when everyone's playing counterspells, forces and spell pierces, um, you know, to stop the one ring. But I do think a deck like the, you know, Boros, uh, you know, um, uh, the, like venerated Loxodon deck, people have started porting the that Convoke in modern. Deck, yeah with Kalotha Rebirth and Gleeful Demolition. It, that's a deck that I think could, you know, end up being pretty good. Obviously, like, the uh, Orcish Bowmaster's pretty good ag- against, you know, blocking a bunch of one ones. but if you go wide enough, you should be able to, you know, be successful. Uh, so that's a deck that I think could be sneakily underrated right now. And I, of course, love, you know, Jeskai Breach. I think Breach is in a better position than it has been since the Yorian ban, really, um... You know, the one ring slots really, really well into the deck. You have your other proactive elements. I think uh, Urza Saga is a card that people have had a lot of answers to, you know, under um, Dress Down, Engineered Explosives, but they're cutting those cards now because they don't match up well against the one ring. You know, the Demir decks sometimes have one Dress Down. Um, so your Urza Sagas have gotten better. And Thassa's Oracle and the Grinding Station combo is just the best way to punish people for tapping out for the ring. You know, you have protection from everything. I don't care. I won the game. So if you had to play of the Birds War, are you just playing Breach because of the familiarity to you, or are you going to try uh, something Well, else? I, I also just think it's very, it's very good, and I, I, I would gladly play it against, you know, these these Demir decks. I think, you know, I'm a deck that has a ton of card advantage as well. Like, you're playing these, you know, uh, the Lory and Revealed and uh, Sauron's whatever, and I'm just playing Expressive so Iteration and, you know, and Emery go yeah, along with my it's just one still rings.
0: legal by the way still legal <laughs> yeah in this so, format or uh, the, ones it
1: is i, I think that that breach actually plays you know that you know it doesn't quite play it as well because you don't have the same amount of cheap interaction that the demure deck has but in that in that matchup you having the combo ends up i think working in your favor because they have to constantly respect it and <laughs> you know while force of negation is quite good against underworld breach it's like really your only way of stopping the combo subtlety subtlety kind of does it you know the you you can ostensibly stop the fast oracle at the end but you should be able to either you know sequence in a way that you have you can just let the subtlety resolve put the fast oracle back in your deck and keep keep going and just cast it again or mill something like a mystical dispute from your sideboard, keep that in your graveyard and have that for the subtlety late, later on in the chain. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about something like subtlety breaking up the combo. There are going to be corner case scenarios where you're trying to combo from a low base of resources where the subtlety beats you. Uh, but even then, like the subtlety is back in your deck and your deck is small. like They have to then kill you. Uh, so it's even more of a corner case scenario where it ends up costing you the game. Um, so yeah, I, I do like breach quite a bit. You know cory obviously you know did very well with it it's a difficult deck to play uh, i think that you know uh we've seen that bear out where it's really just you know Corey, me and uh and titty pills crushing with it jesse actually you know top four to challenge recently you know playing her build of the deck um and, and you know Corey did well here so i guess i have to get out there at some point and play a tournament and, and show you know uh and match them but it, it is definitely a a strong choice um just because the the combo element is one of those things that lets you go over the top and ignore the uh, you know attrition war that all these other decks are fighting, and you can also just play that game as well. I think it's the only deck that could actually do both. You know, burn is never going to win an attrition war against uh, you know these control decks if, it, if that's the way it ends up degenerating. You know, m- maybe Yawgmoth could, but like I said, they're just too all in on one card. So I think it's too easy for the opposing disruption to just get focused on keeping moth off the table. Um, you know, like, no other, you know, combo deck really has that ability. You know, I guess maybe Amulet Titan too, but if that's like Yogmoth. like, you're just all in on getting a Titan out of the battlefield, so um, you know, the state of the grinding station deck is not all in on resolving grinding station, it's not, or resolving Underworld Breach, it's just one part of the, you know, card advantage game plan, especially now with the one-ray.
0: Yeah, like, I guess, like, I can't argue with anything you said, right? You know, you're the scam guy. I mean, scam scam guy. <laughs> you're the breach guy. You play the deck a lot. I don't know what I would be playing in the birds because every time I look at one of these decks, I really, really like them and I get kind of excited. I think I would, like, place a scam in blue black a lot and see which one, like, resonates with me more and, and from there and play the, you know, play the format from there. I wonder if we're going to see anything kind of wild happen you know like some deck we didn't realize is really good like comes up or something or yeah it's just gonna be be somebody figures out the
1: food deck
0: you know we'll, yeah yeah but it seems to me like it's just a bowmaster ring world right now you're playing one of the two and you're trying to break one of those two and do real well for a tour and there is a little bit of limited on it uh you know we did talk about this a lot all of the shows prior like I'm not gonna go too deep into it but also like that's gonna be interesting to me because I've been in formats before where, like, there's been a disparity in the colors before. Like, a large disparity. Right? I remember a Pro Tour where, like, red was generally considered the worst color in that format by, like, a significant margin. And I can't remember if I, like, 2 one or 3-0'd my pod once because I was the only red drafter. I just had, like, a mono-red deck and it was just, I think like, it was just good, you know? And, like, I was like, yeah, my next great. I was like, I wouldn't force this. <laughs> it's not very good or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Or, like, you know, I picked... I picked, like, a green card, and then it was, like, 12 straight rent cards, or something, you know what I mean, like, kind yeah. of thing, because so it was like, one of the cards that I was willing to play, you know what I mean, that kind of thing, and I'm going to be sure to see, like, I'm going to, I don't keep not into limited very much, and this isn't a set we're going to draft a lot, you know, some people haven't even had the chance to draft the set, I'm going to be watching the draft portions very, very carefully, and watch the strategies that these players use, because, like I said, I... There's pretty much a consensus on, like, what's great and what's, like, less great and less great. And it's mostly all right. I just... My most winning decks... Generally, my most winning decks are the ones where I have as few creatures as possible. And then the creatures that I do have, I'm generally not attacking with them either. Like, that's not what they're there for. Like, they can block. I can maybe attack once or twice, get, like, a damage or two. Especially if they have the ring. You know, if they're my ring bearer, they're unblockable. A lot of times so you can get a little bit of damage because I'm generally racing... And it's like my blue-based decks or my blue-red-based decks where I'm winning with some other way. I'm either milling my opponent out or I'm dealing damage to it because I'm playing. Like, there's a 2-1 for, uh, for one and a red that deals damage to him every time he casts an And then there's Fiery Inscription, which I will first pick over every card in the set, just because uh, I have never had to pick it over the one. I will say that. But I will pick Fiery Inscription over, like, practically every card, Ross. It's a 2 or a red enchantment. So whenever you cast a or sorcery spell, it deals two damage to your opponent, and then when you play it, the ring tempts you. But there's so many cheap, good of sorceries in red and blue that get you through your deck really fast. Um, like, have you seen, there's, there's a card in the set, it's just like one blue mana, It gets target creature, minus three, minus zero, then amasses for one. Yeah. Like, I'll play five of those. You know, and then there's like birthday surprise. this is one blue mana draw a card, the ring tempts you. I'll, I'll just play infinite of those. Because you're generally playing... My red blue decks generally have like fourteen lands in them. I have a lot of lori revealed. Also, I'll play Olafot, which is the red land cycler, because it's like a decent card that you could play late in the game and try to kill them with. But like, it's not really the game plan a lot of the time, So uh, I like to worry reveal a lot more in these spots. But I'm just going to be interested to see like how they approach drafting green and white and red in these sets because blue and black are the best colors by quite a bit, and you want to kind of pair them around and. You know, are people going to be so afraid of playing like the green white food decks and the green decks in general that it ends up like I was talking about earlier, where somebody is the only green draft on the table, or one of the only green draft on the table, or the only main green draft on the table, and their deck's just very very good? Because I have lost games with very very good you know blue red decks where I've had like the ideal deck. I'm like, I don't know if I can have a better version of this. And my opponent, you know, just plays a couple cheap green creatures, attacks me a lot, but also makes like six or seven food. And then after they've played their one, their two, and a three drop, they just, like, keep gaining three life every single turn. And, like, I'm getting attacked, so keeping up with it is very difficult. I mean, you can do it, but they can put you in situations where if you if you brick for a turn, or like you take one extra turn off, they can kill you. Or yeah, then they, they get just, out like, of reach. put you on this treadmill, and if you ever stop yeah. running, you fall down. Yeah. Yeah, so lots of cool stuff like that. Yeah, um, and
1: yeah. Uh, that's it. The, the little bit portion, I think, will be interesting, just because it has been so... Unanimous and ubiquitous, what you know, the consensus opinion yeah. on the format is, and that does allow it players to you know find underutilized archetypes and say, you know what, I'm just gonna force this. I know yep. how to play this archetype, I know how it matches up, especially against you know whatever the consensus is, and it's going to be reliably open as point. opposed to being the people that are fighting, being one of the people that's fighting for the consensus best color or colors. So, I would expect to see some players do well by having that hyper specialized i'm forcing this archetype every time strategy or at least like i'm going to jump into it very quickly you know if the opening three cards are all like the you know the best black commons and uncommons in the set yeah i'll take them and, but you know as soon as i see an inclination towards this one, one archetype or maybe you got two of them in your bag that you know you, you can lean on uh, I, I will not hesitate to move into them and say you know what like this is open uh so that that's sort of what I'm expecting from Limited and I'm hoping we get some people that play some out there decks or maybe find something new um, and uh, you know break the monotony that you know the Limited format has presented so far.
0: Yeah absolutely I think you made a really good point there and one thing that I do want to point out is I have kind of like again I draft this set so many times so it becomes simple to me and that happens anytime you draft a set 40 50 times it becomes oversimplization right you're like you can go through the packs very quickly. You know, you're like, I know this, this. You always never have like hard picks, right? Because you know your your picture edit, blah, blah, blah. For as simple as this draft format can be boiled down to, the actual gameplay can be quite entrenched and difficult in this format. Because you have your typical games of limited. There's a lot of things to think about and like with tricks and stuff or whatever, but playing with the ring is could be very difficult at times. I have straight up loss games. Where on turn, like, three, I picked the wrong creature to make my ring bear. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'll make my 2-1 my ring bearer instead of my 1-1. One one. And, like, the 1-1 one one is better. Or, the other way around. Sometimes you don't realize, oh, shit, I just made my 2-1. I've gotten, like, four extra damage in this game. The game's completely different. But I just went with the safe route and went with my 1-1. One one. Depending on what color they're playing, what they've done. You know, so there's a lot of, like, small, little, in-depth things that... Yeah, someone can tell you how to draft this format and you can do pretty well. Like if you're if you're prep for fur tour, was I'm, I'm prepping like crazy for modern, and then I'll do a few drafts and I'll rely on my team to hear like, yeah, they're telling me this is the best color, this is the best color, you know, avoid greed if you can, blah, 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 right? You can draft great decks like that and then not execute as well as you possibly can in the games because you haven't put in as much time playing in this extremely weird format that has this like extracurricular thing going on that can become very relevant.
1: Yeah, you know, you gotta, you know, e- even if you're going to play the the same archetype, you know, depending upon what you play against, you gotta be prepared to play some some really intricate games. So, uh, you know, it'll be an, it'll be somewhat interesting to see. Also, you know, when they interview players, how much did they weigh their testing? Like, are they are because it, you could say, oh, I know the limited format, I'm just gonna try to draft black cards or whatever and put more focus on modern because you know this new set has obviously made a a pretty large impact with bow masters and the ring and maybe some other cards uh to be that remain to be seen or do you say you know this is the modern deck that i've played for the last two years and it's good you know if you've been a scam player for a long time and then you know you just lock in scam you know maybe figure out a a new list that's better and then try to focus more on, on limited you know the, these multi, multi-format tournaments are always tricky in how you, uh, you know, uh, apportion, portion your time out to the two formats. And it does, you know, I always feel very advantaged when I go into a multi-format tournament and I'm comfortable in one of the formats so I can focus more on the other. So I actively they, try to do that, um, sometimes, you know, to my own detriment because you'll often miss a few things. But same, uh, you know, it, it can definitely be beneficial to be, you know, to put more practice in, like, a, you know, I remember the the second M- Mythic Championship I played was Modern, and it was towards the end of the, is it Phoenix era? It was right before MH1 was released. And i have been playing Phoenix for six months. I was the, you know, popularizer of the archetype. So I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm just playing Phoenix. And, like, I kept up with what other people were doing, tried to build a good list, uh, and focused more on Limited. I ended up going 4-2 and Limited, a solid record, but, you know, had a, like a, uh, I think I finished like 9-7, so I went 5-5 and Constructed. You know when I you know had a pretty rough day too uh and you know my list probably could have been better I probably should have been I don't remember if I was playing Power Man Ascension at that that event but sure. you know definitely felt like my modern list wasn't as good as it could have been probably should yeah. have spent a little bit more time on it
0: I've been there done that many times I definitely feel that pain uh, I think that's gonna be it for this week's episode for uh I think we had one question in the mailbag so let me get and get that real quick before we get out of here and i will talk about, while well, I'm looking this up, um, we're going to try to get episodes out as quickly as possible over the next few weeks. Ross is going to be in Europe for about a month here soon, and he's going to bring his stuff to record, so we'll try to do that, but we might have some guests or something like that along the time. Yeah, you know,
1: Five-hour time. Uh, we already need to do it with a one-hour time difference, so now yeah. we're going to have to do it with a six-hour time
0: difference. Yeah, no big deal. Uh, Kid Wynn, actually, questions. They said, Wilds of Eldraine, a.k.a. Eldraine, Two Elk, Two Furious, yes, is around <laughs> the corner. What returning mechanics do you hope Wizards brings back? Um, I mean... What were the mechanics I, that I set besides food? Adventures. Okay, I actually like adventure. Yeah. I hope they bring adventure back. I'm going to go out and say this. I think they actually missed a little bit. Maybe they couldn't make it work. But there should have been some adventure cards in Lord of the Rings. Bruh. How do you not have, like, you know, Frodo running towards you, like, of the cards? Like, we're going on an adventure or something like that. Yeah. Like, or, like, the hobbits walking down the fucking... That just seems like a huge miss for me. Like just saying adventure, I was like, "Bruh, I'd be not have adventure in some <laughs> way." In the, in the Lord of the Rings set, you know? yeah, that
1: adventure would definitely be the one that that I like as well. Um, yeah, I actually
0: like those cards. I think they're really cool. I love the design space for it. Yeah, it makes limited a little weird because the cards are just only adventure cards are just very good and limited, but yeah, there're
1: I think they they pushed them a little a little. Obviously, the entire set was a little pushed. <laughs> um, so. Like Bone or giant was probably a little bit too good. Uh, it created this sort of test for early creatures in the format and made aggro decks really difficult to to play because of how powerful and ubiquitous that card was. You know, yeah. anytime you staple a reasonable removal spell onto a proactive card, you get to play just a di- you, you know it becomes like a it's, it becomes a a way to shoehorn additional removal into your deck and. It, you know, it just also, like, being a two-for-one, making sure that you curved out in the early turns because of how it was designed you know, uh, just I I think really did a a number on stopping aggro decks during that time in Standard. Um, and then obviously, like, you know, Edgewall Innkeeper and Lucky Clover ended up being a a little bit too powerful, but I think the power of those cards came more from the fact that the adventure cards were good themselves. Anytime you can develop powerful synergies with cards that are fine as standalones, And, you know, all the adventure cards were fine standalone cards. uh, It it ends up being a problem. So I think if you just take those down, you know, a half notch, you'll end up being in a good spot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I I think the, sorry, it's the same answer for both of us, but I just really like the design of adventure. I love split cards. I love choices. Yeah, exactly.
1: I I love cards that let me utilize my mana effectively, give me options on how to utilize my
0: mana. Just like, like, you know, I love cards that are like. You know, like charms, uh any of the things along that kind of line where modal like you have spells. to choose one or the other, modal spells, where it's like it's slightly underpowered for its cost, you know, it's like not great, but the fact that you get the choice puts it over the top. And I love yeah. love those kinds of magic cards. And it's like a modal spell with kicker, you know. Yeah. 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 It's
1: it's like Find an it. a, it's like an entwined
0: spell. You know? Sure. No, that's a good way to put it. All right, Ross, uh, thanks for uh, hanging out with me this weekend. I absolutely love you. And have fun on your trip in Europe for about a month. Hopefully we'll talk. Hopefully we don't, actually. Hopefully you're just too busy having a great time <laughs> to be able to do anything. So. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit. Yeah, uh, your phone's... Is your phone going uh, to be able to text you, or should I just message you?
1: Oh, message me, yeah. I have sure. not done anything I figured. to make sure yeah. my phone will work, and I don't care
0: to. All right. Well, <laughs> I, love this. I love the answer. so you. <laughs> All right, well, everybody, thanks for listening this week, and we'll hopefully get another episode before the pro tour. We're going to try. If not, we'll get one out as soon as possible. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you all next time.